please stand for the reading of the word. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money over and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Haley. Well, good morning again. And uh, uh, after the message, uh, we get to share in the family, in a meal, the family meal of Jesus' people. And of course, we call that Holy Communion. Uh, and I hope everyone picked up your communion elements on the way in, right? And if not, you might just want to slip out or ask an usher to help you. And if you are worshiping online and you wish to receive communion uh, with us this week of May 2nd, then just, you know, you can pause the video if you want and then uh, go and prepare your communion elements. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You alone have the words of eternal life. You came to seek and to save the lost. And today we rejoice in your great salvation. Pour out your presence and power of the Spirit upon us as we receive your word today. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, this is week four in our series on craving community, and I believe that the pandemic has heightened that craving. On, on Friday at noon... Uh, the weather was so nice that my men's small group, uh, we took off our masks and met outside. <laughs> we hardly recognized each other. <laughs> Experts on small groups will tell you that right after Easter is not the best time of the year to start new groups, but the Holy Spirit was nudging us to give it a try. And I'm so happy to report that in addition to our more than 20 existing groups, we now have a couple more new ones. And I'm in that one on Wednesday nights, and people are getting to know each other and learning together and praying together and building community. Today, we're looking to be in the kind of community where we care for each other's needs. And when we think of being in community, maybe this is the thing that will first come to mind, helping each other. When I was in my early 20s in seminary in Kentucky, a few people back in Nebraska would occasionally write me a note and include a little check in the envelope. And what a, you know, what a wonderful surprise. I, I knew these people believed in me, and they were praying for me, and I used the money to help pay on my tuition. Their letters and prayers and gifts just made me want to double down and study even harder. The scripture that Haley read for us 
comes from the book of Acts that's called the Acts of the Apostles, and it's the sequel to Luke's gospel about the life of Jesus. And the book of Acts starts with the last words of Jesus before he then uh, leaves earth and goes into the heavens. We call this the ascension. And we celebrate that every year. It's, it actually kind of um, comes on the 40th day of the season of Easter, and this year, Ascension Day, will end up being on May 13th. Ten days after that, in the first century, the, the Jewish festival of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus' people. They're gathered in Jerusalem, and that's when they begin to realize that a new day has dawned. The world has changed, and they are living in the age of the Messiah. You and I still live in the age of the Messiah. Jesus is the heaven and earth man, and he has begun his reign over heaven and earth. He has laid claim to it as creation's rightful ruler. And one day his foes will be vanquished, his reign will be complete, and he will make all things new. That's our confident hope. In the earlier chapters of the book of Acts, all of Jesus' people are still Jews. It's going to, chapter 10, it'll switch and include Gentiles. But uh, when they're still Jews, most of them are staying in Jerusalem. And thousands of them gather in the temple courtyard every day to hear the apostles tell about Jesus, especially his resurrection. And then, what do they do? They break into smaller groups to share meals in each other's homes, and that's where they talk about all the great things God is doing, and then they leave from there, and they go out and speak boldly about it all, and, and then they gather together again, and they pray bold prayers, and they take care of each other. Acts 4, uh, verse 32 starts out saying, all the believers were one in heart and mind. The New International Version condenses this a little bit. All the believers could easily be translated the community of believers. The community. And this community of believers was one in heart and mind. And that means they were enjoying tremendous unity. Not necessarily agreeing on everything. I mean, you get two or more together. Does anybody, we all agree, right? But they agree on the essentials. Most of all, they love each other. They're like family to each other. And the rest of verse 32 spells that out then in more practical terms. Uh, it says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. You know, I read that and I go, wow, they did that? Is that the way Jesus' people are supposed to be? When I lived in Lincoln, we lived in Lincoln, our neighbor uh, was a retired maintenance man. And uh, whenever I needed some tool or equipment or advice, I'd go across the street. Hey, Jess, can I borrow your long-reach tree saw? Hey, Jess, do you have a socket that'll fit this? And he always, he always did. I, I admired Jess's garage. It was immaculate and super organized. He had everything, and he loved to help. Uh, one morning, I remember, I, I decided that I was going to rebuild the planter next to our front steps because the timbers that were two sides of the planter were starting to lean out, and I was afraid it was going to fall apart. So 
Um, you know, I started tearing it apart and setting out the work, and, and uh, Jess looked out his window and saw what I was up to. He knew that I was in over my head, as I usually was, so he loaded up his wheelbarrow full of tools and some lengths of pipe that he figured that I was going to need that I didn't know that I was going to need, and he crossed the street to our house, and we worked together on that all day, got the planter rebuilt. A few years later, Jess and Shirley moved to an, a retirement apartment, and they had an auction to get rid of a lot of their stuff, and I bought several of those things that I'd been borrowing, <laughs> including that long-reach tree saw, which Trish and I used last night. And she didn't know I was going to talk about this, and she said, good old Jess. <laughs> Let's look again at verse 32, where it says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Notice it doesn't say they turned over all their possessions to the apostles and no longer owned anything. No, that's not what happened. If you had a rental house, you still owned it. If you owned a donkey, it was still yours. If you had a jar of perfume or a silk scarf, it was still yours. But you held these possessions with such an open hand that if someone was in need, you were quick to part with that possession. They figured, hey, possessions aren't going to last anyway. What is going to last is the love that we show people. Of course, that does not give anybody the right to walk into your house and take your silk scarf and say, what is yours is mine. No, it wasn't like that. It's just that they knew in the Messiah's kingdom, they believed that people were more important than possessions. Simple as that. And here's the result. This line comes at the end of verse 33 and the beginning of verse 34. It says this, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Don't you love that? And it's the heart of today's message, and it gives us, I think, a beautiful vision of what it means to be Jesus' people. Will you say it with me? God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. In this community, no one goes without food, shelter, or warmth. And those who don't have enough always have a friend to help them out. In Bible times, widows uh, were often some of the poorest people. A couple chapters later in the book of Acts, a complaint arose among Jesus' people that, that a group of these widows was being overlooked in the, in the Meals on Wheels ministry. So the leaders quickly reorganized to make sure no one was left out. Of course, widows weren't the only ones struggling in Judea. The economy was not good. If you were a laborer, some days you could get work and earn a buck, and some days you could not. And those days you and your family may not eat. But Jesus' people were generous, and they took care of each other. Pantry volunteers. I love that we now have six of these raised garden beds to grow fresh vegetables to distribute at our pantry. And these uh, garden beds are a perfect opportunity to switch our thinking from doing for others 
to doing with others. So I want to challenge you to get our pantry patrons involved in gardening, in the gardens right here on our campus. Get people in the neighborhood involved in the pantry garden. Because if we're just doing for others, we're missing a big opportunity to be doing with others. And I believe it's an opportunity for us to live out every one of our five values. We can be relational, practical, generational, missional, and invitational. And I want you to know that if you call Faith Westwood home, then when you're going through a rough, a rough patch in life and you need some extra groceries just to see you through until the next payday, you don't have to wait for the two days a month when the pantry's open. Just give us a call. call set an appointment with, with Holly or Vicki or me or maybe somebody else you know who volunteers at the pantry and, 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 and you could get what you need. We've done it many times before. Remember what our theme verse says. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. That means when you have a need, you let the community bless you. Let them help you. If God's grace is going to be so powerfully at work in us, that's how it has to be. We have to learn to give and receive. Today's mission focus, uh, which we have one every week, uh, is the, today's is the Helping Hands Fund. And that fund is one of the ways, just one of the ways, that we help each other. Uh, I want you to know everything's kept confidential, but I want you to also be aware of some of the ways that the Helping Hand Fund gets used. It's been used to help with a rent payment or a utilities payment. It's been used to pay an uncovered medical bill. It's been used to bless a family during the holidays. It's been used to pay for a car repair. It's been used to help someone get started in a few sessions of counseling. Uh, my wife's nephew in Virginia is married to a counselor. And uh, I happened to mention to her one time how at our church we sometimes use our Helping Hands Fund to help people get into counseling. And she was just blown away by that, amazed. She said she wished more churches were willing to help each other with something like that. It's the grace of God working powerfully among us, helping each other in times of need. And you know, it's not always with money, is it? I'm a, I'm a big fan of small groups, as you know. And uh, at Faith Westwood, we call them faith groups. Each group is kind of like a mini church. You ever thought of it that way? Long ago, I went to a conference on small groups, and the speaker was a pastor from Portland, Oregon. His church had more people in groups every week than they did in worship. And I thought, you know, during the pandemic, that's often been true of us, right? But one story he told really sold me on groups. He said a teenager in his church had uh, died in a car accident, and he went to the family's home to console them and when he arrived someone from this boy's parents small group greeted him at the door 
And another from that group offered him coffee. And others were in the kitchen and some were in the living room with the family. The pastor then visited with the parents for a while and stayed a, a good bit. And then he prayed with them. And then one of the small group pastors, excuse, one of the small group members came up to him and said, you, you don't need to stay, pastor. It's okay. We've got this. <laughs> and he knew that they did. They were the community of Jesus helping each other in time of need. This family was hurting, but they were not alone. And to me, I think that's what Acts 4 is really pointing to. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. There, none of them were alone. I see the same thing happening with our meal train ministry. Someone's recovering from surgery or they had a new baby or they're receiving chemo and it means so much to and just get some homemade meals, help them out. And with meal train, you know, they can specify their dietary restrictions and people can sign up to bring an entire meal or part of a meal and do it on the day that works for them. And so I would just say, if you are ever in a position you need uh, or could benefit, be blessed by a meal train, um, contact Vicki O'Hara, our director of caring ministries. And of course, sometimes we know that a small group will just handle this all on their own. And that's great too. Uh, back in January, my wife Trish had a, a very minor outpatient surgery and someone from her faith group brought us lasagna and salad and breadstick. I think that's probably the most popular meal to give away, don't you? And uh, actually, there were more in the group that offered, but, you know, it was such a quick recovery that she, she declined some of that. But, you know, they just kept checking in on her by text messages. How you doing? And it's not that we would have gone hungry without that one meal, but it was a gift of love. And it meant a lot. We enjoyed that. The, the grace of God is powerfully at work when we give and receive. I mentioned our Helping Hands Fund. We also have a Blessed Friends Fund. That was our mission focus last Sunday. We use it to fund ways that we're trying to be a good neighbor to uh, Central Middle School. We use it to pay for improvements uh, for Oaks Park across the street that we've adopted. And uh, it, we use it also to bless individual people who have no church, okay? Faith Westwood wants to, in bless, wants to invest in your blessed friendships. So you can make a request anytime. Uh, the only guidelines that we have for these requests are three things. They live locally, they don't have a church, and you're praying for them. That's it. Your friend needs a car repair? Make a request. Your friend needs emergency child care? Make a request. Your friend needs airfare to attend a funeral? Make a request. I'm trying to be, one of the guys I'm trying to be a blessed friend with uh, is someone who's, who's needing, looking for funding for a community project that he's uh, working on. And so even though I'm on the blessed friend's leadership team, I made a request. Of course, I bowed out of the decision-making. I didn't even suggest an amount. But it did meet the guidelines. 
he lives, my friend lives locally. He doesn't have a church, and I'm praying for him. And the blessed friend's leadership team said, hey, let's go for it. Let's do it. And I was so excited, I texted my friend right away. My church wants to help in your project. And I believe that he's going to see the grace of God powerfully at work. If you want to make a request, I would encourage you to contact Holly Timberlake, our director of adult and family discipleship, and she'll take it to the team. In the book of Acts, there were times when people sold property, a house or a field, to provide for the needs of others. And one who did that uh, in the Bible was Joseph. He's known there in Scripture, though, more by his nickname. Let's look at it. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And when it says he put it at the apostles' feet, I mean, that could be literal, but I think more it's, it's, it's signifying that he trusted the leadership to decide how to best use it. He relinquished control. He knew his gift was going to help people, and he trusted that they were going to use it wisely. We all have something to give, and we all have something to receive. And when we do that, the grace of God is powerfully at work. It's probably clear by now that I believe that caring for one another is one of the strengths of this church. And yet, I look out, and some of you may be still kind of on the fringes of our faith family. Maybe you haven't yet experienced this, this caring community that I've been talking about. Well, let me encourage you today to take a step toward getting engaged. Maybe try out a small group or serve with our, one of many ministries. We have, there are so many ways you can be a part of that. Build the kind of connections with people. That's what it's really about. Build the kind of connections with people where you naturally take care of one another. And then you too will experience the power of the grace of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us that possessions are not permanent, but generosity lasts forever. Thank you, God, for your grace that is working so powerfully among us. Lord, help us to not see people in need as victims who can only receive. Give us eyes to see each person's strengths and abilities and what they have to give that maybe we need. And Lord Jesus, we all come to you as receivers. We need only what you can give. You have taken away our sins upon yourself and washed us clean. You have claimed us as your sisters and brothers. And now we claim each other as sisters and brothers.